Hello and welcome to Here's Where It Went Wrong, the podcast where every week we have on one of our favorite comedians to talk about one of their favorite things and we trace its history to find out exactly where it all went off the rails. I'm joined as always by my co-host Andrew Nadeau. Andrew, how you doing buddy? I am doing good and it is 12.04 a.m. and you have fought through this to get this recording because this was so much fun to do and we had the opportunity to talk with Yadoye Travis, a comedian I love so much. I know you do too. Oh, I absolutely love him and my whole thing is when you told me that we were going to have a Batman writer talking about anarchy, I thought we meant the character <laughs> of anarchy from the Batman comics. Why would you let me believe such a thing, Andrew? <laughs> it was incredibly misleading and an absolutely reasonable assumption. But Yudoye is one of the most knowledgeable people I've ever talked to about different political strategies and alternatives to the world we live in. And his his takes on uh, anarchy are absolutely fascinating. So we dig into the entire history. We get a lot of very cool, very interesting opinions. And we tell you about uh, the Korean People's Association in Manchuria, which is just a fascinating example in history uh, of an anarchy society that was so cool and worked so well. Yudoye also, by the way, I mean, he, he was on the uh, Crunchyroll podcast. He's written for Batman. Man, he's writing for Saved by the Bell. He has the uh, Beyond the Bot videos, which I, I think we're going to include a link to those because they're just so ridiculously good. This was fascinating. It was funny. This was so much fun. And uh, I, I'm i not going to get to bed for like two hours because I'm just wired now, despite being exhausted. I'm amped. Yeah. I'm amped. <laughs> I'm, after that whole conversation, I am fully amped and I'm ready to go. All right. Well, guys, let's get into it. Yadoye Travis, thank you so much for coming on today. Of course. Thank you for having me. You know, I, I've been uh, a big fan of yours since before we became friends, uh, <laughs> which was always very cool. <laughs> it's one of those things where you start talking, it's like, oh, okay, well, now you're a person that I know, but also I still go back and listen to OK, which was such a fantastic album. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. It was so good. I cringe at everything that I've ever done in the past, so I appreciate that other people still like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, definitely, it's definitely one of those. I, I do that with editing podcasts. I'm like, I have to listen to my own voice <laughs> oh, and i yeah. hate everything i've ever said as of yesterday oh yeah yeah i have to i also have to mix my own podcast and i'm just like you know what i'm not cutting anything i said what i said i don't want to like pour over any <laughs> one minute of this podcast let me just mix it right make sure it lines up and that's it well, <laughs> i mean thankfully we, we have an, an editor now because yeah at a certain point we started doing the same yeah. and that's how we ended up with like 90 minute episodes <laughs> so uh i know you've also got some cool things you're working on now i know you're writing with saved by the bell right now and you've written for batman yeah which is so so cool yeah it's weird it's very weird it's one of those things where like you get asked to do it and you're just like oh y'all just ask anybody okay <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't feel like an achievement it like devalues yeah. the thing for you <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's like oh y'all want me like okay i guess this shit wasn't that like wasn't that if, great. if they asked me then <laughs> yeah shit must not be that that popping like yeah it's like imagine just walking up to a car dealership and they just like throw you some keys and you're like this is mine yeah. now this is yeah is this like yeah. a like, shitty car what's yeah, wrong like, with this oh, fucking car y'all just 
just hand out Ferraris <laughs> like that. All right, I guess. Look, I'll drive. It. Look, I'll drive it. I will absolutely drive it. But like, I right. really is uh really is underselling the thing for me. Is yours coming out in June? I technically cannot say because there's some like discrepancies when with like a possible hiatus in between and whatnot. But I will say I am issue number sixteen, and it's a weekly series, and they started April second. That's all I'll say. Okay, <laughs> big fan of this. Our audience members that can do math, yeah. you should be able to get pretty close on this one yeah well and you had a very cool topic for today because i've watched enough of your stuff on beyond the bot and your ability to tie in social issues to anime is astounding every single time and this time you wanted to go straight into anarchy and uh, the korean people's association in manchuria which was a fascinating subject and obviously the anarchy history is deep as a movement and an actual political ideology yeah. not just you know rage against the machine kind of right. stuff yeah yeah people really think it's just like a it's just like chaos and that that is like the biggest that's like really the only qualm i have with it as a philosophy is that is what people think it is and it's and like a hundred percent of those people are wrong right well because it's it's so interesting because the thing is for it to work it would have to be very well structured but mostly it just has to be an opt-in system which is the opposite of what we have now the country you're born in you follow those political systems if you believe in the constructs of the anarchy design Mm -hmm. it's very well balanced there's a lot of wonderful ideology behind it but it's also been co-opted and corrupted and it's been the term has the term has yes um and the terms that were used to replace it i mean i guess we'll get into this but like the term anarchy was banned in france during the revolution and then they invent the term libertarian was invented to replace anarchy right. <laughs> and that's so insane to me that now it's it just means like people that listen to joe rogan <laughs> when yeah right like, you just know like what the difference between pedophilia and being into teens is and like you're able to like say state laws in in different parts of the world about it (laughs) yeah exactly it's just like a bunch of fucking weirdos like i like i i love guns for all the wrong reasons uh yeah right (laughs) that's it because when you hear the libertarian stuff it's like occasionally you get just a very small fragment of a good idea and then you hear why they like that idea and it's like oh that's not where i thought this was going (laughs) yeah it's weird because like like right libertarianism like that or right-wing libertarianism it is about freedom in a sense but that that freedom is predicated on taking freedom from other people. It's the freedom to oppress. Yes, exactly. Is the basic ideology. Yes. Uh, Murray Bookchin, who is where I learned that information about the term from, has a great quote where he says, those libertarians, they are proprietary. They are people who are who are committed to the right to own property and to like build capital and that's all it is. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a really good way to put it too. Yeah. And that's consistent too with, with again, the, just the co-opting and the shifting of terms. If we get into a little bit of, of the history here before this starts for the vast majority of human history anarchy was the form until in a sense obviously now as we've got more specific ideals but basically until about six thousand years ago all of human history worked on the system so the actual definition as a movement is debated in part because there are like two main schools of thought social anarchism and individualist anarchism social anarchism sees individual freedom as linked with mutual aid it puts an emphasis on community and equality and considers that complementary to autonomy and personal freedom essentially socialist ideals may Maintained by decentralized federalism. Uh, Issues are to be dealt with through subsidiary social organization, addressing problems at the most immediate level, which is fantastic in concept. You've also have the contrast of individualist 
anarchism, which emphasizes the will of the individual over external factors such as group society and ideological systems. It's less of an aspect, but it's libertarianism. Right libertarian. Yeah. Right, right libertarianism. And because you've got these two opposite sides essentially under the same umbrella, the idea of defining this is very challenging. Yeah. Well, I think when most people use the term now, thankfully, they don't necessarily think of like, I guess now like on the what's blowing up on Twitter is like anarcho-capitalism as a thing, which is what that like yeah. uh, individualist anarchism, you would call it, I guess. And so thankfully, when most people say anarchism just by itself or anarchy by itself, they usually mean left anarchism, <laughs> thankfully. Right. Yeah. And so it hasn't been necessarily co-opted in that way. I think that that's true too is that this is a general acceptance of like there there does for those that are behind the movement on the leftist side do seem to have an understanding of, of what the goal here is which is is decentralization yeah. you are part of a community there is not a government above you obviously there has to be structural events but even that is done at the local level you have people that you choose to, to be working with to organize these things uh there's there's not someone with power above you and because of that it also is work based at least aspects of it based on a gift economy at that point you are all doing the work because you believe in the work you're giving the items you need because you will be giving others the items they need yeah. it's a system of trust it's 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 yeah. beautiful in concept yeah it's mutual aid and it's like democracy in the most full sense of the term you know it's like i don't know people believe that like representative democracy is actual democracy and it's very much not not at it's all very it's, much not. it's an illusion it's fake <laughs> It's bullshit. It doesn't like you're just electing your masters, essentially. That's all that is. Yeah. You know? The conflation of, of terms here and the idea, especially because so much of this is just weaponized against you of the idea of you're not a patriot. You're not a Democrat. You're not whatever if you don't adhere to these rules when most of these were defined to be set up as individual freedoms. Yeah. But you don't qualify unless you go by these by these lines. Yeah, exactly. And it's just such a like, I don't know, every now and then. And I know I was I, and I know I'm supposed to like pitch like throw in jokes every now and then but i don't i don't feel uh the i don't feel it yet i feel like people need no, to no, know no, please the, yeah the jokes yeah they'll the come. jokes will come they'll, let's let's, come. let's actually like talk about let's talk yeah. about the important stuff for <laughs> now and yeah. they'll come when they come no Who i cares? agree because there's a background here that needs to be understood about why this was so significant i'm so sorry if you guys learned something today yeah. <laughs> you've heard enough jokes in your life i'm sure you i'm sure you'll hear jokes again yeah. <laughs> it's fine it's fine. So we can go to some early stuff too, some some of the, the birth of anarchism stuff, which, you know, goes back to China, 4th and 5th century BCE, which is, you know, Taoist principles espoused by Lao Tzu and uh, Zhang Zhu. This has took an anti-polity position and a rejection of any kind of involvement in political movements or organizations. And this developed a philosophy of non-rule. But this is what you see at the time. You you see it in Greece and it's, and it's a rarity when it appears back then too. But you've got the first political usage of, of the term anarchy by... Uh, Achilles and uh, Sophocles in 5th century BCE, their work, again, you know, mirrored a lot of these Taoist principles, but it was contrary to the rest of Greek philosophy, which attempted to blend law and nature in harmony, whereas the cynics, uh, this is, again, as, as a uh, movement of philosophers, not cynical people, dismissed the idea of law and promoted uh, a way of life based on nature. So these were some of the early origins, but there's a lot here, and I kind of want to skip ahead because you're right, this is important stuff that we should explain to, like, the French Revolution era and when this started to develop into the form, or at least the origins of the form we see today. Because at this time, they, they grew from the 
modern anarchism grew from the secular and humanistic thoughts of the Enlightenment. This was people at this point basically were discovering that they could think for themselves. They realized that they could be successful and learn new things without the church telling them what to believe. And as soon as this was discovered, they went, oh, maybe we shouldn't have people in charge of us if we can figure this out on our own. I mean, it it feels like a very basic concept. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like the fucking, uh, the, the brainwashing goes so deep, you know? It's like, oh, yeah. I don't know, like the entire concept of like churches, like organized religion is just like, teaches that you you can't learn about religion, about Christianity, about God yourself. Like, I mean, I, it also like paired with the fact that a lot of people were illiterate back then and you needed somebody to like read and therefore interpret the Bible for you. And so they're just kind of like, I guess we just do this. I guess this is what we need. I don't know. When- yeah, right. You gave people knowledge and free time. Of course, they're going to start questioning this shit. <laughs> yeah, bro. Well, and especially because every one of these movements was always correctly seen as a threat to the people in power, which means reactions to it were extreme and insane because it's like, oh, we got to crush that before they figure out they could do this without us. Yeah. Yes. It's all about preserving power. And you've also got the minds like Rousseau and his discourse on inequality discussing the moral necessity of freedom. So because of this, the French Revolution would become a pivotal moment for anarchist movements where they saw the overthrowing of an untouchable power to be evidence of their ideals in action. And they also identified with the sans-culottes and the enragés who opposed revolutionary government as a contradiction in terms. And all of a sudden, you have one of the most powerful forces in the world taken down by individuals who just won't accept their treatment. And it's world-changing. It reshapes everything. Just the idea that we can actually do this was what it introduced to the world. We can, we, there is a way to make this happen. Yeah. And I will say in the modern, uh, in the modern world that has been entirely stamped out. Yeah, that's true. I've gone on a couple podcasts and I've said this and I have to stress that I'm not telling anybody to do anything when I say this, but <laughs> the fact that like, uh, when you talk about like police violence, for example, that most people are still content to just like let them do an internal investigation and wait for the trial to happen two years later. And you know what's going to happen. Either the cop's going to not go to jail or they are. And then every other cop is not. And it's like they use that one person as as an example that this carceral system works and that you have nothing to worry about and everything's fine. And it just reinforces the system that exists. And the whole time, people's impulse to, like, defend themselves through possibly violent means um, (laughs) is entirely stamped out. And we just don't even consider that as an option. And once again, not telling anybody to do anything, just the fact that under, like, natural, normal circumstances, pre-nation states and all this stuff that would have been just the normal response is that if you have an oppressive figure committing a genocide against your people essentially which is what like international uh nations have declared this to be right right just fight back you would fight of course you would i mean obviously it's scary it's not like oh yeah you should just be doing it i understand why there's there's resistance but i think especially to your point of like the faith that has to be ingrained for you to be like oh no they'll take care of it they have never taken care of it at no point have they have they policed themselves and when you see that these defund projects when one gets approved and the money goes to the police force to retrain them 
yeah. instead of taking money away from them. And it's like, this is, this is just another win for them. Yeah. It just shows the corruption of the system. Yeah. I mean, we really have this notion that like the police is a, is an institution that like it necessarily assumes that there are people that are just naturally better than other people. Right. Because yeah. that doesn't make sense that like some people are, get to regulate and uh, control crime and others don't like that doesn't make, and the fact that like police forces are most primarily white in black neighborhoods and all this stuff it is a necessarily racial construct and racial like dynamic where you're putting these this group of white people above this group of black or latino or asian people uh, like it necessarily says that and then people are still stuck in this notion of just like that's just the natural order of things that's fucking weird yeah it's how it was always done so why are you questioning it yeah. now right and that's the, the idea of like it how it was always done this is so new yeah it's been since what 1837 or some shit yeah god you got that quick yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was we covered this on an episode with mohan and el shiki where we're talking about the origins like this is less than 200 years old yeah. the idea of you needing an official police force and from its birth it was this yeah it was bad from the beginning and there was no doubt it was bad yeah. again if you guys want to go back and listen to the mohan episode we tell you when the the idea of police being good shifted but it wasn't until we started making them good in tv yeah, shows it was like until the then the public accepted it right yeah. it's because they had to have dragnet so bad that they yeah. were like hey you guys can approve what how bad you look in the scripts and they were like well we're gonna look fucking amazing in the scripts if you're gonna <laughs> yeah. tell us to do that and then everyone's opinion changed yeah bro this shit is really wild like how do you go from slave patrols to being known criminals known associates of the mob and like first of all it was a rotating thing like people were just on the night watch for like a little bit and they hated doing it and then when you were on it people hated you and so like it right. was a mutually it was a well-known thing that people did not like they didn't like to be it they didn't like to see it and then just you get one tv show and that's yeah. it right it wasn't even a tv show it was a radio show first like, <laughs> people were going show. nuts for the radio that's fucking wild <laughs> that's fucking wild that like a radio show was for the police what iron man was for robert downey jr that's <laughs> just that. completely revamped the image just yeah. really put it back in the public's good graces like he broke into a child's bedroom and slept in their bed like yeah we're just gonna let this go over because he's very quippy like yeah. come on because he talks fast robert Downey jr for listening to this come on like you did that yeah <laughs> But I mean, you're right. The idea that there was this one moment that it's I, again, police were around, but they had to work to be evil. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they now it's like people just assume that when they're evil, we misunderstood. And and I, I think just the deeply ingrained mindset of obeying the system is why those that believe in an anarchist cause believe so, so strongly, because it is an idea within themselves. And maybe, of course, they're they're influenced by, by minds before them as as everyone is when they learn something new and interesting. But the idea that to carry this through, they have to be responsible for themselves. This is the only way it works as if everyone involved is is putting in the effort and truly cares to make the change. So when you see people not believing what they're seeing and instead following the, the state line, it's incredible. And you get more and more disenfranchised and you become more and more passionate about a cause to change it. Yeah. And it's like this whole, no I guess this notion of like manufactured consent, which like Noam Chomsky talks 
talks about it in reference to like the media, like modern media, but it goes back so fucking long. Like people have always needed to make like little alliances to uh, to establish or maintain power. And it, it's been by age. It's been by family status. It's been by like merchant classes and things like that. And then eventually grew into tribes and nations and nation states. And now we're just so deeply ingrained in this shit that we don't know anything else. But like you don't have to look that far back to see an alternative to what we have now you know right i mean as far as manufacturing consent you're you're completely right especially when you said that we kind of built a system where we're saying these people are inherently better because they are able to be the siders of crime like how many times has something clearly wrong happened but then they go back and they're like well actually 10 years ago this person did this like the they didn't know that at the time. Yeah, like they were right. able to eyeball someone's entire history by just looking at them. But but we pretend like that's an actual reasonable thing that a human being can do. Yeah, and we just let them do that. And then like people act like you like they don't know about the Stanford Prison Experiment. Like yeah, like you've seen if you hand people power, they will use they will abuse that power. You know yeah. immediately. Yeah, immediately and far farther than you think they would push yeah. it because they have an idea about what power looks like, and so they express that as opposed to what is actually it is. Well, and while I believe if I was given power, I would use it responsibly, I also know I would use it to enact my vision. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm talking about ultimate power here, not as a, yeah. a cop, obviously, because I'm not going to do that. Right. But if they suddenly everybody has to follow the choices that I make, I believe I'm going to make good choices because everyone believes they're going to make good choices, which is why I should not have that power <laughs> because I'm going to end up doing it too. I've given up <laughs> on that notion. I know the like the president can launch a nuclear strike on a whim. And I know that if I was president, I would do that shit. <laughs> I would 100% do that shit. I would do it for no reason. I would I would be like hey where's that button at let me press that shit. that button is so I, close i got it it's, it's right so there. big and it's so red <laughs> how is only one dude pressed it that's wild god that's a good point We're gonna say he's a, i'm just gonna preface it he's a bad person but the petty airing of grievances that trump did is some shit that i would do like if you gave me oh, that absolutely. much power i would do that petty, i would do that petty shit every day and like that's just like putting people on blast <laughs> on twitter knowing everyone in the world will see it whenever you want bro being as old as he was too like or is like of course course he's because he's he's gonna be out the door soon enough he's not gonna yeah. last long enough for those consequences yeah. to really matter like y'all saw y'all read the quincy jones interview y'all know that people get old and they just start they just start saying shit yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you really can do whatever the fuck you want at that point because what are, what are people going to do ruin the last few months like yeah. come on yeah. 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 Like, non-star party till this point exactly bro <laughs> i had to stop doing cocaine at like 70 like yeah i'm fine <laughs> I think your point, too, of how recent this is, because now we look at monarchical control and we're like, oh, that's insane that they were, you know, in charge just because their parents were in charge. And it's like, no, people are in charge now just because they have enough money to convince you they're good at it. Our system is just different. Don't forget that because also their parents were in charge. Yeah, they right. had that money because their parents were in charge. Right. The idea that it's it's different because it's not official because they have to run doesn't doesn't change the system. And this is jumping back to the, the French Revolution for, for for a minute here because some historians talk about it and they say that it it was the initiation 
of the anarchist movement to others. They said it just reshaped militaristic thinking. There are also those that are more middle ground that instead put the focus on what it proved, that even the strongest establishment can be overthrown. And this idea that planting the seeds of anarchism as a possible reality, this is obviously what we talked about with the idea of people not considering that now, the idea of overthrowing, even if you want to do it as just an impossibility. And it's one of those things where I understand how hard an opt-in system of government would be in a world that is divided as it is. But it makes so much more sense to realize that there are different rules that can be followed. So you're going to join a society that has the rules you would willingly follow. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not even so much that they have the rules that you would follow. It's that they have the ability for you to for you to help establish those rules. Right. And right when you're part of creating it. Yeah. Like the first thing people say when they try to argue against anarchy and anarchism is like there's no law in the sense that we have it now where it's this like prescriptive, like full of loopholes shit. It goes by ethics as opposed to rule of law, which is like you know what's right and wrong. You know what it, what you should and shouldn't do. And it, you don't, you eliminate this notion where like, say there is gun control and like in this society in this type of society you would have like community self-defense uh, organizations so there would not necessarily be gun control in the way that we have it but if there was you wouldn't have this shit where people are saying like oh no bump stocks or no like certain uh high capacity magazines and people are like finagling their guns to to just technically correspond to that law you know you get, you don't have that type of shit you're just like cut the fucking bullshit we know what that is you know yeah and i i think you're right because the the term rules is, is when I use for it because I, I feel like there's there's not a great term for the idea of everyone coming together and accepting that they understand. And there are disagreements. There there are obviously debates, but that's when the focus is on the majority, that you are all involved in these decisions of what needs to be done. And when everyone is involved and you understand the process and you're involved in the process because, yeah, you're, you're creating this society. And it, it really is fascinating and one that would be so interesting. And again, there are a lot of people that believe different aspects of, of what there are different forms of, of anarchy, but the idea of willingly joining, building it on your own, it can and has worked. It's worked well, but it's still viewed as one of those things where this, this can't possibly happen. And it did happen. In fact, it was only ever, you know, crushed by outside forces. It, it worked well when they were just left on their own to do it. That's always one of the main arguments because it, it, it has happened and it's happening now. There are still anarchist societies going on now in Syria, Mexico, yeah. all over the place. But people's issue with it is that it's like utopia. It's this idealistic thing or it doesn't have like a, a notion of what to do about the state and it's just like or how to use the state. And like that's not what people want. That's not natural to human existence is the existence of a state. You know, right. Right. No, this is this is obviously a, a construct that that we've created. And one of the things that I keep coming back to is how many of the things that we think have always been are brand new. And we've we've done that a lot on this podcast where I'll start digging into the history of something and find out, it, I mean, we did this for novels. I found out novels were only like 300 years old. The idea of this thing that seems so ancient is storytelling and storytelling is older, but in a completely different form. And these are things that are so ingrained in us because you're reading since you're a child, you feel like it always exists. And a lot of these things are brand new. Yeah. I mean, I've thought about that a lot recently. It's just like any type of like, because like we've all like oral history is has always been a thing. Thing, but just like the notion of writing it down and like reproducing it over and over and over and over it's like just is such a commercial thing that we that 
exists in our mind or the idea of like recorded music and like a recording industry and all these things and just like music was just like the culture and like things that you just kind of like had and were not commodified in the way that they are and now i really i like really spiraled about this the other day i was just like the fact that like black culture was entirely stripped away and now black people became like this reproduction factory for american culture like we created this entire thing and it was commercialized and now like basically all of black american culture is like commercial culture that like flipped me the fuck out <laughs> you know which is i mean so wrong but also insane to to think about how much of this is co-opted and then just washed over as if it's this new original idea when it goes back so much farther and so much deeper. And I feel like just an understanding of origins would change how people think about things. An understanding of where this actually formed and came from changes how you use the world around you. Yeah, it changed my perspective on like cultural appropriation because I was like, culture is just naturally mixed. And that's just how like a lot of what we view as a singular monolithic culture is a mixture of like dozens or hundreds of cultures at uh, in times. The only reason it's a problem now is because there's a commercial benefit that comes from it, you know, and certain people are benefiting from it that others are not. That's the yeah. only reason yeah. it's really a problem because American culture, you can see is like, as much as I hate to say it, it's like white people would dread this kind of a part of american culture now it's a it's a a gross part that i do not like i'm sorry adam duritz is part of american culture since the 90s i'm sorry yeah i don't know i don't like it but i i accept it as a fact (laughs) i have to like slam in a counting crows reference at least once every three podcasts so sorry i had to do it (laughs) yeah look i was gonna say sublime but like that's their fans not the actual band so like it can't really blame them but they took they took reggae too so like fuck Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I I think that is an interesting line to to find because there are aspects where this has become the part of a culture and this is something that's shared. And then there's a part where this is something taken from someone else and not understood that there is depth to it. And I feel like that's where the the biggest harm comes from, when you don't realize what you're using is something significant and you're using it casually. Yeah, exactly. You're just throwing it around like, yeah, you're throwing it around for clout when it's like what people's lives are grounded in. Yeah, no, I, I and I also think think that there's this weird thing of people being angry about it being pointed out to them like by pointing out that there is a deeper meaning to anything that they just think is some kind of fun you know thing that they can just try on and and like i like it's a hat or something and they get people get mad people get furious no it's just it's just this thing that i like man like why can't i just like the thing that i like Dealing with anime fans on the internet, like you mentioned the video, Ooh, my yeah. videos, like that's such a fuck. I did a video on Attack on Titan, which is one of the biggest, the big anime right yeah. now. It, yeah. A overtly political show, like Holocaust themes and like ethnic cleansing and all these like very overt political themes. If you know any amount of history, you know that that's what the show is about. And I did a video breaking down what that is and like how that reflects the act in the real in the modern world and this person's just like hey man i'm just trying to watch anime man like why you gotta fucking why you gotta make everything political i'm like they made it political they made it i didn't do that i didn't i'm just i'm just commenting on it if you haven't watched that video because i think we're actually going to put a link uh down there to, to this because it blew me away it was one of those things where i had to go do something else and i said let me just watch the first minute and i sat there and didn't do any of my work and watched the whole thing <laughs> immediately it, it was it was it was fascinating because there was so much depth here and a lot that i obviously didn't know because i hadn't 
watched Attack on Titan and I'm watching these clips afterwards and seeing these connections and the art behind it is so cool too because you realize there's a lot of depth, there's a lot of understanding, there's creation that's tying into history, which obviously is, you know, what we part of the reason we we have this podcast is because we love this history. We want to explore it and we want to see different ways to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Just just a side note, somewhat on topic. The other day my wife just kind of like looked at me and was just like, I don't know why I'm fighting this anymore. Let's let's get into anime. And it was probably the, <laughs> the it was like the highlight of my week. She was just like, she's like, I don't know why I've I've been fighting the tide. Like let like she's like, let's let's dive in. Like my my TikTok is telling me that I'll that I'll like it. I keep seeing clips of things that I like, and I was immediately like, Attack on Titan, let's do this. We're so Is that like, where you started? Oh, we're yeah. about to start. <laughs> yeah. I Oh, that's fantastic. I do have recommendations for things that are actually fun if you don't want to do if you don't want to do something like so overtly uh violent. Yeah. Oh good. Well, yeah, yeah. we're gonna want those too. Yeah, please hit me up with those. <laughs> yeah. I will I will I'm I'm very excited to go on this anime journey. Yeah, no, I got plenty. I got a bunch. I, I wanna jump back quickly to it to a different point in time because this was another moment of collective realization that actually, you know, formed a lot of these ideas. Because in, in 1848, Europe was hit by a wave of revolutions. To this day, the most widespread in European history, involving people of France, the German states, Austrian Empire, Hungary, the Italian states, Denmark, Poland. By the end, over 50 countries were affected, and they had no coordination or cooperation among their respective revolutionaries. They were just fed up with the system that they were told had to be done, and the dominoes fell as each one saw a country nearby not putting up with it. And it, this was was an incredible moment because it showed that nobody wanted this, but still they were fought against. You know, the entire world was rebelling and still the the few people in charge were, were shutting it down instead of rethinking any of it. These revolutions were essentially an attempt to remove the old monarchical structures and create the independent nation states. But it had these significant social and cultural changes, but there was very little political change. And, and this disillusioned some people. And it also did help form anarchy a, as an ideal at this point. We've also have, obviously, Marx coming up soon, uh, where he's helping people to understand in a way that was able to reach every class, where they, they could suddenly see what, what the, a, a way an alternative to this because before it was like hey we shouldn't have this and Marx was obviously able to explain a lot of this in a way that made sense to them after this you have anarcho-communism appeared on the scene growing out of the radical socialist groups that believing that collectivism would eventually lead to competition and inequality and after this you get to propaganda of the deed and basically what happened at this point is change is not happening you have a group of revolutionaries who believe violence is the only way and at times in history it, it absolutely was but their violence was not working <laughs> and that that's where this got so harmful because it shifted the term people hear anarchy and they still associate it with violence because of this and i know this felt like, like an abrupt segue but it, in my head this was it was so tied in because our development is is so historic and so long run and you reach these these points of desperation where you see it going the wrong way and you just want to make a change yeah yeah and it is it's the the wildest part to me is that like as ingrained as this is in our like in our culture our subconscious people can still be influenced by like singular moments like that of just like a change in the tide where they're just like oh i guess this thing that we've done for all of history is not really the way because now we're at a point where we're like 
we've been through other political uh, systems and now we have to go back to like what is natural, but we have to do that deliberately. And that's the most difficult part of this shit because we're all about this like idea of modernity, modernism and all this shit and just like constant advancement. And that's kind of what, that's really what capitalism is, is just constant expansion. You know, like you can't be stagnant. You have to expand constantly. And that includes like throwing away things that we perceive to be of the old world and unfortunately that also means just our natural state of things and like commodifying every aspect of our social life and all these things in favor of just profit yeah i mean most of my political ideals skew closer to the democratic socialist side but i think there's so much beauty in this too that i see it and i picturing a world where you have this it's fascinating and it, it relies on on this concept of we can do better. And it's interesting because there is that association of negativity and violence with anarchy when in fact it was so hopeful. It was hopeful because it requires the belief in the people around you to want good. That's the only way this works. Yeah. Well, I don't even know if it necessarily requires them to want good. It requires them to be willing to cooperate. And I think that is, I think that's just what humans naturally do. We're natural social, naturally social. But I think when yeah. we have an economic system that like, that breeds competition, then the, it roots all of that out. And we see the worst of people. All we've seen our entire lives really is the worst of people. And granted, some people have still been good in spite of that. But like, we've still seen this this like chase the bag mentality that drives everything we do even this even not to even disparage like this or the idea of podcasts necessarily but like the idea of me being on your podcast and like talking about all this is ultimately in a way to like build clout and hopefully like ascend to some like status as a comedian or a podcast or a writer or something <laughs> i'm doing this for the love of the game my friend <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know we could we could have this conversation the three of us without recording it and very much enjoy it. Yeah. But you're right. There's an aspect of society that is instead. And I, I think on one hand, I've, I've learned a lot more because we have created this. I've gotten to do some very cool things I wouldn't have gotten to do otherwise. But also, yeah, it's always going to be colored by the idea of I need to shape this in a way where it becomes more successful yeah. and where I become more successful out of it, which is strange considering that we've chosen a career to entertain people. <laughs> you know, when the, the goal is to have creativity and to bring uh, happiness, the idea that a driving force behind that has to be, yeah, but how do I make money out of it? Aren't these conflicting ideals? Yeah, exactly. And in many ways, like the money aspect is what takes all the fun out of it. Right. You know, the second I started making money doing comedy, doing stand up, like I kind of stopped enjoying performing for a long time. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, we actually had just talked about this where it was something my, I completely missed it. It was something my girlfriend had to explain to me where I started doing jokes as work. You know, I, I started in social media writing for others when I started writing jokes on Twitter for myself that was before I became a stand-up and I kept saying, you know, this was so fun and now it's so stressful. And she said, yeah, it's your job now. Yeah. This this is a completely different mindset. What you're doing here is is work. Not that I couldn't enjoy it at times, but suddenly there was the pressure of now I have to get this done. Now I have to get this done and I'm responsible to somebody else for getting it done. And I'm responsible for keeping myself alive and <laughs> providing food by getting this done. Yeah. And that is a completely different mindset. And how do you be creative and funny when that's your driving force now? Yeah, no, I, I mean, as Andrew knows, like uh, I was in, in college, I, I 
I did musical theater. Like that was my thing is like, I, I loved it. I got out of college. I did it for one year as just like doing the grind of uh, working for a theater and like doing it there and everything. I realized like, oh, I hate this as a money making venture. Yeah. I hate this as something <laughs> to make a livelihood on. I just enjoyed the process of creating these kinds of things. And so I, I stepped away from it. And now every now and then I'm like, wait, why did I completely cut it out of my life? Because it, I no longer viewed it as a money making thing. Like I went completely the other way with it. Right. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. wild. It's like it really, t- and I talked to somebody about this yesterday, and I uh, and I've been thinking about it the past couple of days. Is like I always wanted like Andre three thousand to put out like a proper solo album, and then it just kind of hit me a, a few recently where I'm just like, I don't think he needs to do that. He yeah. probably's yeah. not gonna have fun. <laughs> He's not gonna enjoy it. People have been demanding him to do do it for like fifteen years now. Like why <laughs> why would I want him to like? Why would I want him to strain his creativity to please me or my friends so we have something to talk about for like right. a month <laughs> yeah. at most? And then he can either put out the greatest project of his career or he can put out something that disappoints everybody and we're just like, oh, I guess he wasn't that great to begin with. And that just right. fucks up his whole legacy. <laughs> like, why would you, why would I want a person to subject themselves to that? I don't need that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good point. And I think a lot of people are driving themselves by the idea of what one day I'll be successful enough to only take the jobs I want. And there are so few people that achieve that level of success, uh, you know, especially in a field like ours. But that mindset of one day is a driving force without a concept of how to get there. And I think that's the, the big issue is, is that it's it's just, oh, it's going to shift and it's not going to shift on its own. This is something that has to be something has to be done about it. Yeah. I mean, that's the driving factor in everything is like everybody thinks everything is a function of just time, that progress is time, that means. Right. My me making money is a product of time that I'll necessarily be rich if I just like wait it out. And for though for most of those people, it never happens. And then for the people that it does happen to, at least in my experience, as I've gotten like a little bit of success, all they want me to do is do more shit and take up more of my time and like want me to submit more stuff, write more stuff, work for more people, take more meetings. And just like you just get further entrenched in this shit as you get higher up in it. You know, right. Which is part of why I want to like argue you out of being a democratic socialist, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I understand too. And I, I feel like there's a part of me that is optimistic that, that wants to push it farther. And there's, there's part of me that I think is scared of the idea that is, have, has trouble picturing what that society is, that the idea of that it can be modern in that, that you're not talking about going back to living in caves. You're talking about this same world, but with a different viewpoint. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a hard thing to picture. I could talk you through that right now. It is a hard thing to picture, but like it, one, it requires, it requires a lot of creativity, but we could do it with a lot of the infrastructure that we have in place already. We have all of the things in place that we need to live a good life. And realistically, we have an excess of things. And realistically, one of the first things that needs to happen is like, we need to democratize the industrial process. Like there needs to be actual worker input in all of the things that already exist, you know? And when I mentioned that we can uh, do all these things, but like before we started recording, I was talking about the concept of dual power, which started with, with Lenin 
Lynn, who is not a good dude. Yeah. Also not a good writer. <laughs> State and Revolution is a glorified Twitter thread. All he's doing is quoting Marx and Engels and just like interpreting and clarifying. That's all that book is. Yeah. He's just doing game theory. He's just. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> Lenin is a kind of Lenin is a dickhead. But the concept of dual power originated with him. And that's just the idea that like we need to build up institutions from the ground up as opposed to uh, just like bottom up building of power as opposed to top down, which means like building things on the ground level, starting like a big part of it is starting co-ops, which you have a democratized worker process where the workers actually run the business. They hire the managers. The managers are not like don't have this status above the people who actually do the work somehow. And then those co-ops, those businesses actually feed back into like mutual aid programs. And like you actually have at a local level, this concept of like from each according to his ability to each according to his need. And it doesn't have to start at the federal level. And we can do that now. But all that requires is for people to believe that it's possible. And I like to sort of ground my thought in not like what we have seen and what we have an example of, but what is physically possible? Like, is it physically possible for us to cooperatively run a business? Yeah. You've been to work and you've seen days when the manager doesn't show up or you're in a writer's room, the showrunner's not there and you still get the shit done. So like... If you just got used to that and you stopped, like, you weaned yourself off this mindset that that one person needs to be there and stop propping these people up above yourself, then, it, yeah, it's very, or even not, not that that person even doesn't, has to not exist. Like, they can just be on the same level as you. They do the same job as you, allegedly. Or And if they don't, then why the fuck were they there in the first <laughs> place, you know? To administer, right. to, like, set up fucking deals. With, like, you can do that yourself, you know? Yeah. And you're right. These are not any ideals that I... I disagree with, and I that has been a tenet of successful anarchist societies, was that that was exactly what they did. They structured themselves from the bottom up. And obviously that's has more common sense anyway, because these are the people that need to be making the decisions because they're the ones that are the most informed about what the needs are. Exactly. And it's like, why does anybody's political reach exceed their vision? You know, why can anybody influence politically like be further than what they can actually like tangibly touch or see you know and that's really all it is and also there's the fact that like all political power at this point is this invisible hand of corporate power you know which we are all tacitly aware of but we just kind of like ignore it and you know push it under the rug in favor of like electoralism and all and all this like bullshit facade right <laughs> well and and these are the issues that do push me farther left because of that because so much of this seems like common sense it feels like obviously this is what we should be doing and obviously what we're doing isn't working and i wanted to get to the original topic you you pitched here because i think this is one of the best examples of how it worked and you mentioned lenin so i'm going to give a real brief background here because following uh the failed 1905 russian revolution anarchists participated again in both the february and october revolutions of 1917 and were enthusiastic about the bolshevik cause because prior to the revolution lenin had won over both anarchist and syndicalism in his work uh, the state and revolution but anarchist objections arose soon after opposing even his slogan all power to the soviet which was just a giant red flag there and after this this was just an immediate turn on the anarchists that had supported them and we obviously all, all know what lenin did after that and and the bolshevik issues so after this you also have you know fascism in world war ii rising which is a, a long one but there's this group that comes out in 1929 the korean people's association in manchuria which is at a fascinating point in history all over and there's also a lot of uh, happening in spain at this time where they're 
seeing success in anarchism, but this group specifically does some pretty incredible things. Uh, Korean People's Association in Manchuria, or KPAM, this was an autonomous anarchist zone that existed for two years, uh, August in, in 1929 through September in 1931, in Manchuria near the Korean borderlands. This had a population of over two million people, and it was built on principles of anarcho-communism. This is a, a platform which advocates the abolition of state, capitalism, wage labor, social hierarchies, private property, and it instead operated, again, successfully on a gift economy that's just based upon mutual aid. Two million people have decided they want to just work together. I just love the the juxtaposition of this happening this and being formed the same year of the stock market crash that just showed all the yeah. faults within capitalist <laughs> yeah. society. The fact that those two things happened side by side in history of this forming while, while capitalism is collapsing and leaving people starving and just being laid waste to based on being crushed under the boot of capitalism and then you have this society being formed the same year is just i mean that that that's historical poetry right there yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting because i picture this being doable in small groups you know, easily doable in small groups but when you realize the size of two million people the size of, of manchuria that everyone involved and and so a little bit of background here is in, in 1894, Japan invaded Korea under the guise of protecting them from China. And we know what happened after that. 1910, Korea is annexed into the Japanese empire. World War I, Zhang Xiaolin established himself as a warlord with influence over Manchuria, and he wanted to keep the Manchu army under his control and Manchuria separate from foreign influence. So he's got a lot of power he is holding on to here. And after the March 1st movement in 1919, where millions protested the forced assimilation into Japanese culture, there are over a thousand demonstrations across the country, and they were brutally suppressed. 7,500 people were killed, 46,000 arrested, and as a result, many of the Korean anarchists uh, who were the most heavily oppressed fled to Manchuria, or at least of the protesters, most heavily group they were most sought after to, to, uh, to silence. And meanwhile, Zhao Lin is rising quickly in the Republic of China, eventually becoming president and still maintaining his control over Manchuria, which he can now do even easier solo. So in 1928, Japan assassinated him and they leaving behind this power vacuum that the rival communist and nationalist parties are going to fight to fill. But this presented an opportunity for the anarchists now organized in Manchuria. All they needed was an opportunity. Yeah. All they needed was someone letting them do it for them to do it on their own, which is why this is such a, a beautiful point because there's no one who's like, hey, we're going to help you do this. Here's the structure you need. Yeah. It's just there is no one stopping you right now. And this is what they do on their own. Yeah. And that's like the most amazing thing about them. And I should I should also and like I, I pitched this as a, a topic because it's just one of the few that I don't know that much about, which is why I said I don't want to talk about it because I can't speak like yeah. so <laughs> eloquently on it because I just don't I don't just don't know it that well. But like it is amazing to me that like so many of these like the biggest barrier is just having some force saying like, oh, no, you can't do that. It's not that yeah, it doesn't. That, that was it. It's <laughs> never that it doesn't work because there are societies like this that were I mean, the fact that like there are still like tribal societies that have not been touched by like quote unquote modern humans and they resist every time they come close like the fact that those societies exist like why wouldn't a more grounded in this modern shit like why wouldn't they be able to be able to do it as well it doesn't make any sense right you know and and i think people have those two extremes of they can do it because they're living a more primitive life or supposedly primitive life and we see that's not that's not the case that's not the only way they're, they're living a, a different life because that's what they've seen this 
life, the life we're living now can absolutely be maintained under a completely different structure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say that's one of uh, Murray Bookchin's uh, bit. And again, I have to preface, I'm, I'm speaking on a lot of this while I'm still in the middle of reading a lot of it. So like for anybody who's listening, who's read all of this (laughs) shit, please excuse me. But like one of Murray Bookchin's major points is like, like this shit is not about discarding technology or like everything about modernity it's just about making it more like palatable for actual like sustainability and more like he has this idea of social ecology which is that all environmental problems are rooted in social problems uh and it's 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 literally the fact that like capitalism drives this constant expansion which also drives inequality and it also drives the sapping of resources from every uh from every corner of the planet and if we just rein that if we manage to rein that in, we don't have to do all this bullshit where huge corporations are asking you, what are you doing about uh, climate change? Like, bitch, what are you doing right. about climate change? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? You yeah. don't want to spill a, a billion gallons of oil in the ocean and there's not that many gallons of water in there. Like, what the fuck are you talking right. about? <laughs> yeah, you're like, did you cut the rings off of on the soda can things? Did you cut the rings off to save the, the turtles? It's like, dude, stop doing everything you're doing. Look, you <laughs> Stop putting the rings on this. I'll fucking carry a bundle of cans like this in my arms. Like, bro, I don't care. Right. Just stop giving me that shit. I'm yeah. not, I'm not yeah. cutting the shit. I, I'm not doing it, you know? And when we see the numbers, like the hundred companies that are contributing to 90% of just the destruction of the planet, and then the response is, you shouldn't have straws. It's like this... This is, it, it's just mind boggling. Have you considered carpooling? It's like, fuck yeah. you. Yeah. Like, fuck <laughs> you, bro. Have you, com- have you considered letting me build out a fucking uh, train system in my city instead of, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. And the thing is, nobody that has a ton of money thinks they have enough money. Yeah. That yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So this is constantly just a struggle to maintain it, that, that you already have it. And now you see an opportunity and you could yeah. do something good or you can screw over everybody and make more money for yourself and consistently they go with option two. I was listening to a podcast the other day. I won't say who the interviewee was, but uh, they asked the question of just like, what's the dollar amount when you will consider yourself successful and that you don't have to do this for money anymore? And they were just like, I'm being 100% honest with you. I will say that amount. I will make that amount one day. I will change the amount of money that requires me to feel like I've made enough. (laughs) Yep. You know, I saw... It was just like one of the nicest yachts in the world. And they said it cost $300 million. And I thought about it and I thought, okay, well, I guess $300 million would be enough. And I thought, but I got to buy gas for the yacht. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah, what a fucking metaphor that is right yeah (laughs) and after that it was like oh all right so so there's not a number so there's not a number i'm in this nicest yacht and i've got to buy better furniture and i've got to buy a lobster because i'm on a boat (laughs) and it's it was just insane so it was this realization like no there's not a number where you feel satisfied because money does a lot of things but there's not a point where you read pure satisfaction that's one of those like things banks do where they're just like yo if a guy comes up to you and he's like i have a 300 million dollar yacht you don't give him a, ho- a home loan because you know he's going to pay for the yacht first. You know he's going to pay yeah, for right. <laughs> What a modern Aesop fable of the man who got the $300 million yacht and then found out it was empty inside. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Man. God. Get a little boat. So, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Get it. Just... <laughs> 
Honestly, I would be I would be happy with just a boat. It's getting hot here. I want to go out yeah. onto water. It's I don't need a three hundred million dollar lot yacht, but I'm I'm giving one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go enjoy it. Yeah, I don't need that. <laughs> so I I want to skip to where this this really gets wrong here. Oh, by the way, one other note: there were two different anarchist groups that had deep roots here, and they just came together. They came together. They figured out a system that where they both worked, even though they had different ideals. This is again showing that when this is your mindset, this is very much possible yeah. because the society was founded on this basis of individual liberty and mutual aid. And also the government was, was a form of participatory democracy. Uh, there were village assemblies and council systems creating a grassroots society where citizens had a voice. Regional councils were also created to help manage the economy of giveaway shops, work cooperatives, and de democratic schools. And they also appointed higher level staff with lower levels of officials regionally chosen. Everyone staffed, no matter their position, received only minimum wage. And minimum wage was sufficient because it was a gift economy. It's just beautiful. It's just beautiful in concept and execution and you have yeah. two million people uh, living this way and one of the things that was discussed with this is they're going around to towns to farmers to villages to discuss this idea and request that they be a part of it uh and they're, they're also propaganda teams that telling them you know the, the good of this there is very little resistance there aren't records of violence or rejection of this they're just given away and everyone signed on to it and everyone lived happy yeah. yeah here's this thing that cool. works and that makes complete sense to you on a base level on an instinctual level this makes sense to you yeah you're not going to fight that you're gonna be like yeah let's let's do that all my needs are gonna be getting met fantastic yeah. let's let's do that yeah the challenge that i think we face in the u.s is that like i mean the the major examples of anarchist societies that have worked at least in recent memory have been like cultures that are grounded in that uh environment like indigenous indigenous cultures like there's these people in korea there's the kurds in syria right now in rojava and then there's um the zapatistas in chiapas mexico that are like indigenous society like the kurds have been there for three thousand years and have been split between four different countries and they established this society where where they're just like yo we're here we already have this culture we already have this like this attachment between each other and let's just like formalize it and that's what makes it work and so the challenge in the u.s becomes like one it's the gr biggest most deliberate deliberately hegemonic society in the world right, right. Now. yeah you know arguably on the verge of collapse but who knows right <laughs> but still it becomes this issue of like getting past all these weird divisions and just acknowledging that we are people that are here that live in communities with each other and most you know most of us don't know our neighbors or a lot of us don't know our neighbors at least in like these big cities which is where most of our commerce happens and you know it just becomes an issue of just like establishing some type of bond between these people you know a neighbor waved at us the other day and me and my wife talked about it for like a week we we're just like we got a neighborly <laughs> wave can you believe like we we're tell telling people on the phone we're like you're not gonna believe this but like someone just gave us like a really nice just like smile and wave and a how are you as they passed the other day isn't that wild yeah i had an appointment to get fios installed in my apartment and the dude had to get through my uh like into my backyard which you can only access through like the neighbor's apartment basically and so he was like could you knock on your neighbor's door and get to their and i was like 
I don't know them. The fuck? Yeah. <laughs> the fuck are you talking? Why didn't you tell me this shit like a year ago? And I would have like established a relationship. Right. <laughs> and yeah. he like shook his head at me. He was like, yo, you got to know your people, man. I'm like, yo, you work for Verizon. Isn't that like antithetical to like what you do as a company? Yeah. <laughs> You're giving me the internet. You're giving me the incentive to not know my people. Like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> You're selling us both internet that we could have been sharing. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't exactly. want me to be friends with them. <laughs> exactly, bro. Like, why didn't this shit just work? Why isn't this a public service, really? But yeah, like the, I mean, the point I'm getting at is like there really needs to be like a cultural shift. There, there needs to be a cultural shift to counteract the cultural shift that's already happening. Which I think, fortunately, a lot of this shit happens in like comedy because I think a lot of the people on the like Joe Rogan side of things, uh, and the people who just like platform fascists and shit like that, are giving people a lot of incentive to sort of divorce themselves from the people around them and sort of further individualize culture and economy and things like that and so there has to be something to counteract that mindset where you can do whatever the fuck you want and you don't have to do certain things that are in the interest of taking care of other people because you're not other people or they that doesn't affect you we have to understand that that shit does affect like i i i think a big part of why covid got handled better so much faster in so many other places is that they do have this idea that you have to care for other people you know and like obviously capitalism has reached every corner of the world at this point so like it, it it's not true a hundred percent of the way but like this is the epicenter of that shit you know we have just the least incentive to give a shit about the people around us and like i think people forget that that's what socialism is and anarchism is just a form of socialism and or that like the social part of it is that it requires a there's a social aspect to it and when it comes to like democratizing the industrial space that like is such a big part of like socializing this idea of like economic expansion and like if you vote on what goes on in your business like and that business's power is limited to the community that it operates in then you're not going to do st- stupid shit like put an oil pipeline through your own fucking city right yeah. like, <laughs> like the place yeah. that you live in because the people around you are like no that that is very much not in our interests you know and so right yeah and i i think you're right that we've seen it so clearly here where, where those that rejected the idea of we need to come together as a community to do this there was in every video it was someone yelling i have the right to not wear a mask and there was no concept of the person they were yelling at had a right to not be infected. It was just my right. It was never our rights. And that mindset is so damaging in concept. And they're doing this thing where they manipulate like what they think the law actually is. They're not like there's so many videos of people being like whether they know the law or not, they're citing some type of law that says like no, this is illegal for you to make me do this. You can't you can't legally make me do this. And it's some law that's been handed down that is bullshit. But they're using that people's knowledge that laws exist and taking advantage of that right. to say <laughs> <laughs> taking advantage of that to say that like I have a right from somewhere to not do this or you don't have a right to impose this on me when in a society of just like social responsibility and ethics you would say okay the people around me might get sick and whether or not there's a law in place it's wrong for me to uh, expose them to whatever I might right. have right it feels so basic in concept it, and it is basic in concept it's, it's of course that's what we want to do because we have so many people around here and if we all work together we can beat this so quickly and if we don't 
don't work together, this is going to go on forever. Yeah. And so many people opted for the, no, I have rights and that's the most important thing. And and that was it. It was the rights that they were told they, they had, that the government gave them permission to do this. So this is what they should be doing. And this was a very interesting episode because most of the good was directly tied into the bad. So at no point have we said, here's where it went wrong. But I want to wrap up KPAM with where it went wrong. So here's where it went wrong. Because on January 20th, 1930, anarchist General Kim Chuachin, who commanded the Manchurian forces, was assassinated by an imperial agent. The next year, anarchist leader Kim Jong-jin was also killed. Without them in place for resistance, and as a symbol of resistance, KPAM faced massive efforts of repression. That was it. They had people that were a sign of strength that they could look up to. With them gone, they were severely weakened because Kim Chuachin, he did great for them. And the leaders of the, the army, they were required to protect them from outside forces, not from themselves. And without uh, a strong leader of the army, they were they were very much weakened. Japan sent armies to attack KPAM from the south. Chinese nationalist forces attacked from the north. And Korean anarchists were driven underground. And KPAM ceased to exist. The organizations that helped build them did exist, though under threat and in hiding. But they did fight with Chinese communist forces against Japanese imperialism through World War II. But this was it. Where it went wrong was just outside forces. Was just they wanted this land more than they wanted two million people living in harmony. And it was so incredibly destructive and but still we should be able to look back at Cape Pam as just proof that this works this proof that this is going to absolutely work with belief that it will work yeah and you can also I mean as I said you can look to modern societies like Chavez and like Rojava and look at their leaders like Abdullah Erçalan has been in a Turkish prison by himself since 1997 I've, I always forget it was 97 or 95 but uh, they added uh, one other prisoner very recently so hopefully they like each other yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like they're still going strong without him and he's like their de facto leader you know he is the center of their entire ideology which is based on murray bookchin's ideology and they're they they've been going strong and they have strong military military forces they have um the 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 pkk the kurdish workers party and they also have um a big part of his ideology is that you can't have liberation without women's liberation and so they have separate women's organizations autonomous women's organizations that were like uh formed by women for themselves they have a women's military force and so they just like i think they're building on i don't know directly on the example of uh kpam but they're building on the examples that have been laid out before them and i think you know it's yeah. an example that can be followed and can be modeled elsewhere. you're right and there there are many of them and it, it's so important because there are definitely there there is this belief that this is all theory it's it's not it's it's worked it is still working in places around the world and it's amazing and and when you see that it, it can work i hope that it gives people hope that it gives people hope and, and the the courage to try and stand up and change things because we know that is the only way it's going to happen time will not fix this it's 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 effort it's only going to be effort yeah and massive effort yeah and i will say is my i guess since we're wrapping up my last as my last thing that this is the true form of democratic socialism the democratic socialism that people think can happen through like electoralism and through like voting people like aoc and bernie into office like it doesn't it just doesn't work that way you know it doesn't we like state power is a machine that it doesn't even have to corrupt you to operate in the way that it's going to operate you know because yeah you being individually against it is not enough if it doesn't work it's the machine that's the issue exactly and and this notion of like this like vanguardism and like ooh, that comes from lenin that we need to like conquer the state and use it for ourselves in our own ways uh that there needs to be a dictatorship of the proletariat that has proven itself to be a fast track to the same exact thing you know 
Right. <laughs> the Soviet Union just created state capitalism. That's all they did. They created a centralized state economy where the proletariat are essentially slaves. <laughs> so you just got to think about like what you think communism is and what you think socialism is and just acknowledge that there is a different path towards that. Communism has never actually existed. Right. <laughs> That's a really important thing, too, is that what, what people view it as, because as, I mean, yeah, a lot of terrible stuff happened under what we called communism. <laughs> but again, another thing where the, the form was so hopeful. But I, I think that's a, a very important point. And I, I hope more people are, are motivated to see that there are there there is a path to get here, but it requires uh, it requires, to, you know, belief in the world that you want to create, that we all need to work together to create it, to all work together to have it, which does bring us to in their defense, which I can't imagine any of us can do sincerely here, because honestly, just all of this was when is winding up. I have a very sarcastic one I'm ready to go with, but I want to see when try this. When, what do you have in their defense? Let's fucking do this. So we say all of this, but as has been pointed out, we have a Patreon in the yeah. show notes. Uh-huh. And I'm not saying we're going to get to a $300 million yacht, but you know what? I've been programmed into my brain to have a scoreboard called a bank account that I want to see go up, baby. I just want to, I want to see, because that, that puts dopamine in my brain. Is it good that that dopamine goes in my brain because of this? No, it's bad. It's, it's broken something deep in my soul to have that scoreboard that I'm constantly checking to make myself feel something every day. But guess what? It's there and it's the system we currently have. Would I prefer a different one? Yes, I would. But guess what? You guys hitting Patreon and like subscribing as an easier dopamine rush for me than <laughs> us completely revolutionizing all of society, which would make it better for everyone. <laughs> I'm not saying it wouldn't be better for everyone, but guess what? At the end, when everyone is happy and everyone is doing a great job, I'm also happy, but I don't have the boat. And you know, what? what's the, what's the point? Everyone's going to be on this boat. Actually, that sounds nice. Everyone come on the boat. We're all going to have a great time. I, I retract my entire <laughs> statement. <laughs> I, I'm on board. Actually, mine was very much boat based as well, where it's like, I mean, I, I get it. This is obviously better, but I, I do kind of still want the boat. <laughs> you know what? I don't have a long one, but I do just want to see like a product or a service of some kind that justifies the existence of billionaires. <laughs> I want to see the purchase that they're waiting for to come along that justifies Jeff Bezos having a hundred some billion dollars. Right. I want to know what he's waiting to buy. <laughs> I want to know what it is. I want to know what the investment is, what the what the project is. I really, really want to know. I want it to be something that only Jeff Bezos. I want it to be like, a, like a, like a diamond and coltan encrusted vest. Yeah, that, like <laughs> only Jeff Bezos would ever wear. I want to see it. <laughs> Everyone is after their like red sled from childhood. Everyone's after Rosebud. That is what that is what right. Citizen Kane is all about. <laughs> Just like there's there's one there's one thing that's in your soul that you don't have and you're going to keep you're going to keep crushing everyone under your boot till you get it and for him it was a red sled for Jeff Bezos it might be diamond encrusted you know it, it could be anything Bill Gates it wasn't his marriage uh, but there's something there there's something there that'll make that man tick I also love that he's like I'm giving away all of my money but he's made like a hundred billion dollars more than when he said that like he's so bad at giving away his money that he just can't he's Brewster's millionsing it like he's he just can't he can't give it away fast <laughs> enough uh fuck fuck every one of them he just thinks we don't know about cash in hand bro he he's handing out like tens of thousands of dollars at a time it's like bro i know you got investments yeah. right <laughs> i know that give me some stocks bro give me the get, i want i want bonds yeah <laughs> fuck out of here with this cash stuff no i want equity <laughs> 
which I mean, yeah, that that's how they got there too. Uh, <laughs> is is that having the money to get started and to invest in the company to just keep making more for yourself? But no, I'm I'm with you on the. You know what? If there's a hundred billion dollar purchase, I want to see what it is. Yeah. I'm curious too. <laughs> yeah. If it's all been building up to this, I just need I I need to. They know. all pull their money and they all just buy one planet. And like yeah. it's not like a situation where like they get to go there or live there and they just get to point up to the sky every day and say, that's mine. And th- that might be that 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 could fill the hole. Maybe that fills the hole. Honestly, that's another one too. Yeah, if I can buy a planet, I'm probably gonna buy a planet. It's a it's a terrible use of money, but I I want that planet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, dude, I, you got ripped off. That's like, a yeah, limit. That's a limit oh, of no, a planet man. right you know there. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mentioned opening Jupiter like a bag of chips. Like, what the fuck is yeah. this? <laughs> Well, I, I can't imagine we're going to do better than that. We're going to call that a wrap on the history of anarchy and the Korean People's Association in Manchuria. Yadoye, Travis, thank you so much for coming on. This was an absolute pleasure. Oh, of course. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Well, hopefully we can just have you back to talk about literally anything you want. If you want to do an anime episode, we're all in for that, too. Oh, yeah, I would love to. And uh, guys, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this, we have a Patreon. Look, if instead of donating, you want to create the society, I will gladly accept that. But if you're not going to do that, please donate to our Patreon because it helps us keep the show going because that's what our society currently is. Yeah, do that. When I thought you had a comment. No. Oh, no, no. I mean, I mean, I always have a comment. But yeah, if your two options is make a better society that uh, treats everybody with equity and dignity or or give us money. Uh, and those are the two options that I'm going to be happy with at the end of this. Yeah, <laughs> those are both of them. If you enjoyed the podcast, please also subscribe. Give us five stars because it does very much help us out. We're going to be back next week. We hope you'll join us too. When? I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.